Um, how well does it stand up as a standalone product in 2023? And for everything that we've been through through the past few years, you just have to tell yourself, we are so lucky to still have these bands and these people out there making music, creating. We are happy to be here to be able to enjoy the music that's still being created. I think we have to count our blessings to a certain degree that um, we all are alive in a time when these fantastic bands from the 70s are still out there kicking ass, um, whether in the studio, on stage, or just doing other musical related projects to keep that going as long as we possibly can. So a little bit of gratefulness to Frank, to Punky, to all those around them who keep them out there on the road, in the studio, keep them happy. Um, and for them retaining a flame of creativity, you know, that's to be respected. This release is available on cassette, it's CD, it's digital and clear vinyl. And I got to say that they've done an absolutely fantastic job on the packaging again. It looks heavenly. Okay, here's the CD. Here's the cassette. Here's the clear vinyl. And that gatefold is absolutely majestic. I must say it looks, that's what the LP format still does. It allows you to actually be able to see the pictures and for every one of us who's getting old to actually read the liner notes without a magnifying glass like you have to do on a CD. And uh, here's a copy of the digital. No, just kidding. Well, that's the one I got because I really don't need physical product littering up my small apartment here. So let's get into the songs because the packaging can be fantastic, but unless it's backed up with some good music, then it's not going to count. All right, track one, The Torch. I only need one word, exquisite, but I'm going to use a whole bunch of other words. It's, you know, instantly identifiable as angel, but it's in a really, really poor sequencing position in terms of the track order on this album. It's way too powerful and reflective to be leading off an album. Um, it's, it's almost like plot resolution in a movie. Well, that comes at the end after you've gone through it all. Um, because it's less of an anthemic call to, you know, I want to rock, um, than a stalwart affirmation of the torch. I mean, everything that it's expressing, it's just too early to be kind of that serious when you uh, want to pull people into listening to your album. So it's an incredible song. It's got fantastic guitar and keyboard interplay. And you get the first hints of that incredible, beloved, fat Strat sound, that, you know, punky sound. Um, I don't know if it is a Strat, I think it is. But, you know, his sound is his sound, and he is identifiable as a player, which is what puts him in that pantheon of, of guitarists that you can kind of think, that's Punky Meadows. Or, if you want to use his real name, use his real name. So, great song. All right, move on. Black Moon Rising. I had a friend's band in Scranton in the 90s who uh, had a band called Black Moon, um, whatever. Um, this one's very good, but it's kind of middle of the road. Uh, the backing vocal style is immediately jarring to my ears and it feels out of place, but I love the vocal phrasing and the big, I mean, it is a big lead into the chorus. Um, and it's another really good uh, guitar solo, which gives you your first really hints of some of the fantastic bass playing that's on the album not always forward in the mix for you to be able to listen to. It's not just the Frank and Punky show. You got to keep that in mind and try and listen to those other elements from the other musical contributors because they all bring song to the table. All right. Track three, the single, It's All Right. 
Well, it's a little bit more than all right, because I've had the most time to get acquainted with this one, with it being the single, but it's pure angel in terms of its chorus to my ears, to my brain. You may disagree, and that's cool, but from my you know, musical filing cabinet of angel songs that lives in my head uh, is pure angel. And the harmonies, the keys, it's all there. It's also super fun, and that's what I like in my rock and roll. I like it to be fun. Um, it's got some good drumming, great drumming, actually, with a, you know, a bit of a throwback to the 70s guitar rock aesthetic stylistically. So, you know, that's a, a very smart choice to put that out as the single because that's kind of the sort of material old fogies and, you know, geriatric rock fans want to listen to. It's stuff that reminds them of, you know, albums that they grew up with. So it's all good. No, it's all right. All right, Once Upon a Time, An Angel and a Devil. I'm not going to read the whole freaking song title on that one. It's a revelation. Angel writes an awesome ghost chorus. I mean, I can just see ghosts doing this song, which is really weird, funny, ironic, whatever. Um, musically, I like this the most until, and if you've heard the album, you know until what follows. That frickin' banshee moaning. Oh my god, that is Mickey Mouse. It is rookie. It is so utterly out of place. It's distracting. And guys, it ruins the song. I'm sorry. That is a good song. But those unnecessary artistic embellishments are something that you would pay for 10 bucks for down on the dock side. Um, I'm going to have to construct an edit of this one to get rid of that because I do enjoy the song. I enjoy the story of the song. Um, and I, I think it's really fun from that perspective. If I have one request of anyone near the band who actually hears this and listens to it, number one, I apologize for any criticisms, but it's my opinion. What's it matter? Um, this should come out as an edit without that stuff. Um, it's an opportunity to do an EP and you know, maybe do something with that because as we'll get a little bit deeper into the, the track order, there's another song that could also do with an edit, in my opinion, which counts for nothing, as I said. So I would happily pay you again for the same song without the moaning. That's my point, and maybe others would as well. All right, moving on. Number five, Let It Rain, a ballad. Okay, it's tolerable. Um, I'm never a big one for rock ballads, but there you go. It's nice to have a change in pace, a change in textures. And it's actually a very nice ballad. The drums could sound a little bit better in the mix, though. That's my, my criticism on this one. But it's got a really good ba uh, balance of the backing vocals and the orchestration, and also a very good solo. So, again, ballads. All right, we change gears a little bit, so it's not just staying in the same vein. Awesome, let's move on. Now we get to a really good song, Cyclone. It's an absolute scorcher. I mean, it is foot to the floor, balls to the wall. Um, all right, that's enough of those. But I like a little bit more separation on the guitars, because there are multiple guitars going on in this, but they all become a bit muddied and kind of buried. Um, it's very... Got some, it made me think of the tower with some of the uh, identifiable key parts in this. So anything that echoes tower is going to be good in my book. But absolutely fantastic song. I mean, don't let the, uh, the kind of cheesy title put you off because it is a good rock and roll song. 
All right, getting kind of halfway into the album, Blood of My Blood, Bone of My Bone. Least favorite. The, the, the chorus is Borza's. I, I don't like the style. I don't like the phrasing of it. Um, and it's the chorus that I have a problem with. It hints at a gospel kind of rock song at the beginning, but by the first verse, it just becomes kind of filler to me. And then the chorus just sticks a knife in it. Um, not to my taste. Opinion Again, opinions vary, but I find it as annoying as hell. And the melody is unpleasing to my ears. But give it a listen and make your own make your own opinion. And then tell me I'm wrong. And we can disagree nicely. All right. Um, number eight, turn the record over. I love the sentiment of that because who didn't do that, whether it was with a cassette or an LP back in the day? Um, only your eight tracks would do it automatically for you. But, um, yeah, the, the sentiment wins me over on this from... I started proclaiming it to be kind of fillerish in a, uh, what was it? In a kiss crazy nights manner. You listen to those keys and I immediately was starting, you know, thinking of what song on crazy nights does that sound like? But, um, it's good, but it, it's not great. All right. Um, we're now into rock star and I thought we were going to get a Layla clone on the beginning riff, but fortunately saved. The chuck of guitar comes in and the head starts bobbing. Frank delivers attitude and everything is chunking along nicely until, I hate putting the until with an underline, that screaming crowd is just, I know what you want to have that be. You want that to be an audience going mental at a rock show. You want that to be screaming hysterics of the rock pantheon. But this one sounds like it was, you know, bought from a sound bank or something and was recorded at a fun fair with a screaming crowd on a ride. Um, it doesn't work. So it clashes with what they're trying to um, present in translation. So, yeah, add that one to that EP as an edit without the screaming people and put in some more screaming guitar leads. That's lacking on this song when it's about being a rock star because the rock star isn't just your lead singer disease. It's your lead guitarist, and there's not enough of that lead guitar work on it in order for it to present what the song is trying to do. And rocking rock star really sounds silly, but there we go. One thing I do like is uh, made me think of Jack Douglas and some of the things that Aerosmith did on... Uh, you know, a lot of their albums, particularly Get Your Wings, was the horns. And I, I dig them, but it's all too brief. Uh, there's also very good backing harmonies on this one that I enjoyed. Nice solo, but as I said, um, you got to up the punky quota on this one. This one needs more punky. Can't have too much punky. All right. Next, without you, I cringe moments thinking of Molly Crew. Um, I thought it was going to be a ballad because of that title, but it takes us back to 76 and um, Angel fans may know what I'm thinking or disagree with what I'm thinking, but um, there's a definite, a, there's a definite differentiation of Frank's vocal here. And I really like it. Uh, it's another standout and I just really can't go into much more depth. It, you know, a song resonates with you or it doesn't. Then you try to translate into words why it does. And sometimes you're just like, well, I like it. And I really like it. All right. The final track on the main album is Liar Liar. And this feels more 
80s of what Angel might have sounded like in the 80s had they stayed together. Um, the cheesy sound effects are superfluous, but they're the least egregious of the three songs in question. Uh, so this one can kind of skirt that fine line. Um, it's kind of middle of the road, the song, but the choruses were so annoying when I first listened to it. Wobble, wobble, um, whatever it was. Uh, I just did not like the, the chorus at all, but it's grown on me because it's catchy. Um, I'm weak, but hell, the guitar on this just leaves me smiling. Just listen to that solo. It's, it's really fun. So, you know, I, I've criticized three of the main songs, and the criticisms on them are mainly not because of them as songs, but because of some of the post-production elements that have been added to them. And I think that speaks volumes for it, that like Risen, across the board, the material on this album is generally strong. It's not perfect, without a doubt. It, I, I don't think it's as strong as Risen, but Risen is a very high bar to kind of even be... Uh, trying to get back up to um which makes this all the more impressive at this stage in these guys lives and careers to be able to follow a really strong album like risen with once upon a time which i think can proudly sit next to it let's talk about some of the bonus tracks which are all too often a euphemism for scraps um so let's see if these should have been left on the cutting room floor or whether they were saved from the compactor of doom. Uh, track 12, Daddy's Girl. And I'm not too sure about this one. Just like listening to Kisses Christine 16 doesn't resonate so well with me these days. Lyrically, I think I got old. Uh, you know, having worked around kids, um, I definitely think I got old. Um, musically, it's really good, though. So uh, I can see why it's a bonus track. It's almost like, well, we'll just throw it out there and see what happens. Well, you know, musically, I enjoy it. Lyrically, no. But again, opinions vary. All right. Your response to that review of that song is probably going to be, come on, which is the next bonus track. And I like it. Uh, but as an anthem, it's a fizzle. It never quite ignites. Um, it's a bonus that straddles that no man's land between leftover and scrap. Um, and I think it's worthy of that label of bonus track because really um, it doesn't deserve to be included in the album properly without being a bonus track. And then we get to the final track on the CD or release uh, the final bonus track, which is let the kid out something that, we all should do because we're all too uptight and it's good to just remember what it is like to be alive and carefree. Um, but my first response was stop with the fricking soundscapes. Just stop it enough. Serious. Um, it sounds like a bad twisted sister song with a cloyingly catchy chorus that was rewritten vulgarly. Um, I've already been singing it vulgarly because it just leaves the opportunity to add in some rhymes to, to young and dumb and full of, yeah. Okay. Um, but that says something as well about how bad it is, is that if I'm singing along to it because it's so annoying, it, does that make it a bad song or is it serving its purpose? So it, it's one of those songs that it's a scrap, but it's fun. Um, now shut those kids up and get off my lawn. 
All right. Let's sum it up. I think I already did. I already said it's going to stand nicely next to Risen. It's um, a very good quality release in terms of its songwriting, the performance by all of the musicians. And you've got to, you know, you've you got to give kudos to the players whose names aren't Frankie and Punky because they're the backbone. You know, your foundation is your drums. Add to that your bass, add to that your rhythm guitar and your keys. And that is the basic undercoat that Frank and Punky can paint on top of. So they're critically important to this. And the Angel Police, it sounds like, are on their way to arrest me for my criticisms of three songs. Um, another murder in San Francisco. But I think it, it really is a good release that you need to listen to it and form your own opinion. Um, but I think you also need to hopefully support this band. Uh, get out there and see them live. If, if you don't want to buy an album, go see them live because they're doing some fun stuff on this tour. Um, and I'm not going to include any spoilers. Go on YouTube and spoil it for yourself. But if you do get the opportunity to see this band or any band, go see them because this is a gift. It's in the present. And tomorrow, who knows? So, Angel, thank you for the release. Once Upon a Time, available pretty much everywhere in one form or another. Go get your copy. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. Facebook.